You're listening to the Bleacher Connection, a part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. And welcome everybody back to the Bleacher Connection. Trevor, how are you doing today? Well, Ken, I'm actually, I'm doing great. And I'm actually going to assume that you're doing great this, this weekend. The reason being, both our teams beat the Toronto Maple Leafs this week. The Calgary Flames and Vancouver Canucks knocked off the juggernaut Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, I know uh, in, the, in, in your game, let's be honest, there was only one reason that uh, the Vancouver Canucks won, and that was uh, Thatcher Demko. Um, I would call a spade a spade, but hey, we, we beat them. We yeah. beat them. I know in the game against Calgary, Jacob Markstrom played very well as well. But the Flames played a very physical brand that I don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs were ready for. And I'll tell you on Twitter, Maple Leafs, um, Maple Leafs Twitter wasn't happy either. And they didn't like it. They didn't like the brand of hockey. And it kind of opened up my eyes a little bit on there's a lot of deniers on Maple Leafs Twitter about what that team is. And it was like, okay, okay, I, I see it. Yeah, it's it's tough for them to see what their team actually is. But when you have them crammed down your throat and you're forced to see every highlight and hear how great they are from the, the Canadian sports networks, it's, uh, yeah, it becomes quite apparent for an outsider what that team is. I mean, to be honest, the way the Canucks came out in that first period, it looked like it could have been a game like the flame or the flames beat them what five, one or whatever it was. And just, there was really no, the Leafs weren't in it. The Canucks came out that way. They scored a minute and a half in, they scored shortly after that. Again, uh, they were up to nothing after the first, they showed up for the first, but in the second and a little bit in the third, they took their, their foot off the gas a little bit. And Dr. Demko, yeah, <laughs> Dr. Demko was the big reason as to why. Um, yeah. Like, they outshot Toronto outshot the Flames and Canucks at a combined 101 to 50. Yeah, it's because it's like and, something and 101 took, to 50. Yeah, it took zero points, which is beautiful. I, like, I think it. you and I could both agree if our teams went two and 80, but those two wins came against the Toronto Maple Leafs, we're calling it a successful season. Yeah, a little, a little bit. <laughs> I, I saw, I saw this viewpoint on Twitter that. Well, they only beat us because of good goaltending. It's like, well, then maybe your goalie should have been good. Like that, that's all I'm going to say. A, a goalie's not allowed to play good and win games. That's like saying when the top line goes off for four points, like, oh, we only lost because Johnny Goudreau or or Bo Horvat had four points. Yeah, exactly. And, you, well, you pay your best players to be your best players. So, like, what a stupid argument. We only lost because of the goalie. So should have no. been all-star Jacob Markstrom um, absolutely shut them down. And, you know, I would have put Markstrom over John Gibson in the all-star game. That's just yeah, me too. Me, but you know, should be all-star definitely going to be top of the Vesna conversation. Jacob Markstrom shut down the Leafs. Absolutely. Against all-star goaltender, Jack Campbell, who did not look all-star-ish. Uh, in that no, game, no. looked very bad in that game. Then, All Star Thatcher Demko, who probably also will be in the Vesna conversation, shut the Leafs down. And Peter Mrazek was given up rebound after rebound after rebound, 
And like, let's Trevor, do the Leafs have a goaltending problem? Maybe, maybe uh, I Leafs nation on Twitter is starting to ask those questions. I, I've been watching a little bit closer this week and, you know, you see the, well, what about Marc-Andre Fleury or like they might have a goaltending issue. That's a good team. That's a very good Toronto Maple Leafs team that let's well, hold on. Get, they cannot get out of their own way. That's a very good regular season. Yeah. Toronto Maple yeah. Leafs team, not a good team in the playoffs. Now here's the thing. Jack Campbell came to light and superstardom through a very weak, let's say shitty North division last season he did his damage against some teams who were playing very badly in that so is the luster around jack campbell starting to come off is the shine starting to to dull a little bit peter Morazic is he was good in a tandem in carolina but carolina was a front to back far superior team in my opinion to the toronto maple leafs so who knows i mean this team's going to have some issues they, they'll make the playoffs because the East is almost set halfway through the season. Yeah, who's in, who's out. It's crazy. But I don't see them beating. Oh, the other thing that Leafs fans were complaining about was the playoff format because, well, they might have to play Tampa in the first round. And, yeah, and, and the Flames might have to play Vegas in the first round. And you, you, like, you played, who, what you a played, stupid argument. You played Montreal in the first round. We're up 3-1 and you lost. Does it matter who you play in the first round? Yeah, you, you played Columbus point, and you lost. Yeah. At some point, you have to play the top teams and beat them. Whether it's in the first round or the conference finals, it doesn't matter. Winners win. Losers find excuses. Yeah. And and one thing that came out after that game, and I, I got to say, every day I see the clips of Bruce Boudreau, the Canucks head coach, I'm just finding more and more reasons to like him. Last night after the game, I think I sent you the clip. Yeah, and they yeah I deleted the- it. <laughs> after the game he had a team in the dressing room and he talked to them about how a lot of teams have something that they give to the player of the game whether it's a hat or you know a jacket or you know a big oversized kind of flavor flave style chain you know something to the player of the game that kind of brings the team together as a you know celebration after a big win and he said he goes let me go get it and everyone's like oh why don't you get Demer to get it, Demko, because he played his ass off. He's like, well, I'm not giving it to Demer tonight. He gave it to Yuho Lamico. But what it was was a like a WWE-style championship belt with the Canucks logo in the middle of it. I just absolutely thought that that was awesome. Because you could tell the guys in the dressing room absolutely loved it. And that was something that he gave it to Lamico, who played a hell of a game. He got the game-winning goal. He's played exceptional over the last little bit here for in a fourth line role. I just thought it was really cool to finally see that, that the guys were happy. And that was something that wasn't happening under the previous regime. And you can see like just the attitudes and everything. They You can see them after wins and it, was, it wasn't like that before. So I thought that was great. Yeah, it's a nice little trend that'll last for 35 games. And when they're not in the playoffs, it can go away. So anyways, let's move on from our uh, Toronto Maple Leaf bashing. What, what, what was that finger there, Ken? Let's move away from our uh, Toronto Maple Leaf bashing and kind of get into today's show. And today's show, we got a couple of topics right off the bat. We got to talk about, are you kidding me? But more importantly, the biggest week in professional football just happened. And no, I'm not talking about the Super Bowl. I'm talking about CFL free agency. 
Ken, we are taking a deep dive into the free agency market in the Canadian Football League, and we're going to analyze it. I am very much looking forward to this. I cannot wait. I love the Canadian Football League, and there's been a lot happen in this last week. We have to touch on it. But to start off the show, I'm going to jump right in here. I, the Chicago Blackhawks. This, this team just can't get out of their own way. There has been so many negative publicity galore. So in brilliant Chicago Blackhawks fashion, they announced to their fan base that they're interviewing Peter Shirelli as a GM candidate. Are you kidding me? Let's, let's interview what's widely regarded as the worst general manager in the NHL over the last couple of years, though Ken Holland's putting a little bit of a claim towards that, if that team doesn't make the playoffs. We'll touch on that here shortly as well. How are you stoking your fan base by telling them, we're interviewing Peter Shirelli? Woo, thanks. Like, oh my God. who's the, Whoever runs the PR team for the Chicago Blackhawks, I feel sorry for you. This is a disaster. This is a train wreck. Like, how is this even like if I'm a fan of the Blackhawks, I'm like, I'm done. Right? Find a new team. This is god awful. Like, seriously, Peter Shirelli? Come yeah. on. Well, you, you talk about them not being able to get out of their own way. The Chicago Blackhawks are an organization that is traveling down a road, planting landmines, and then driving over them. Like they it just it's a, a train wreck. It just <sighs> If you can ever just kind of take an eraser and get rid of an organization, this is one of them. The Arizona Coyotes is right there too. But I will give some small smidge of credit to them because they're doing something that other leagues do. You look at the NFL. When they go to – now, they do it in a weird way. As soon as the regular season ends and teams are in the playoffs – they start announcing who they're interviewing for head coaching jobs or GM jobs, and they're guys from teams that are in the playoffs. To me, that's weird. But in the NFL, they always announce who's being interviewed for the job, right? And they're very transparent. And that's kind of the direction that the Blackhawks have taken with their GM search. So the Peter Shirelli one is just mind-boggling because he did not do a good job in in Edmonton. Uh very pissed for job. Or yeah, or Boston. <laughs> kind of in, and he inherited Boston. I think he didn't really. He build inherited that team. a Stanley Cup championship team, and he tore it down. Yeah, and he, and he dismantled it in minutes. Like, anyway, Peter Sorelli. Are you kidding me? Come on. Yeah, that, that's, that's a bad no, one. That that's bad. Yeah. Well, sticking with uh, Peter Sorelli's former team, the Boston Bruins. Brad Marchand was suspended for six games for punching Tristan Jari in the head while he after a whistle while he was down on his knees. And then as he was getting uh, taken away by the linesman, sticked him in the face. Now, he got suspended six games for that. Now, he didn't, he said he did some stupid things and, you know, probably wasn't smart. It was stupid. But he felt that the suspension was too much because it was based on history. Are you kidding me? Uh, of course it was. Absolutely. You've already been suspended three games this year for slew footing OEL when they played Vancouver. 
You've been suspended in the past, in previous seasons. You are a repeat offender. If you play stupid games, you're going to win stupid prizes. And a six-game suspension is exactly what you deserve. So are you kidding me complaining about the suspension? Now, my second are you kidding me in this event is Pittsburgh. Are you kidding me? You After he punched him in the face, after he punched your goaltender in the face and then sticked him in the face, and I know the linesman had him at that point, none of you did anything. None of you went to... Brad Marchand and beat the hell out of him for taking shots at your number one goaltender, your teammate, your friend, your guy that you're supposed to fight for side by side with. You just let him get punched away. I don't care if you're Sidney Crosby or Malkin or one of your top guys. You go at him and you tell you show him what happens when you take stupid shots. Take the penalty with him. Get another, get five minutes, whatever. Who cares? You don't let a teammate get knocked around like that and then let the guy get skated away after a little hair tussling. That was a joke. Well, you know, I'm going to go back to Marchand and you, you, you brought up the point about um, multiple suspensions. Well, with this suspension, Brad Marchand actually became the most suspended player in NHL history, passing Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger had been suspended seven times in his his career. Brad Marchand is now the clubhouse leader, having been suspended eight times. Eight times. That is about once a season for Brad Marchand. Like, how can you even remotely complain about this? And I, I, I have seen Bruins fans refer to it as a love tap. Sure. You Doesn't punched matter. a goalie. How is punching a goalie unsuspectingly any different than a headshot explain that to me you hit a guy in the head you punched him in the head unsuspected of course you got suspended should have been 12 games well like, and if you want if you want to take it back in in the warm-ups i think tristan jari was going to toss a puck over the net to a penguins fan yep. in boston and marshand came by and like slapped his stick knocked the puck up took it and threw it away so he couldn't do it so did the league look at that as well as that was Marchand's first encounter with him? And because he was going to do the puck over the, the glass to a Pens fan, he went back at him later. Like the whole thing was just a joke. It was, it was, it's funny because we were heaping some praise on Brad Marchand for his social media just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That praise is gone. This guy's just forward a hundred back. Exactly. Like what a troll this guy is. It just, Jari obviously lives rent free in Brad Marchand's head. Like this is, uh, I hope he gets suspended again this year. And it's like 20 games. Like this guy just doesn't learn. Speaking of franchises and people that don't learn, I'm going to revert back to the Edmonton Oilers. This past week, Dave Tippett, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers got fired. Replaced by Jay Woodcroft. Pretty much. A month after the general manager, Ken Holland, is like, replacing the coach isn't going to do anything. I don't know what to think of the Oilers anymore. Like, this franchise, are you kidding me? Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been on this team for 12 years or 11 years, and, and he's had more than one coach per season. He's on his 12th head coach in 11 years. Connor McDavid's on his fifth head coach in seven years. This obviously isn't the answer. 
at what point are the fans, the management going to go, maybe it's the players. The players are being given a free pass here. Somebody has to walk the plank and it always is the head coach. Maybe, just maybe, it's someone in that leadership core that needs to walk the plank and a major shakeup needs to happen. Hell, that major shakeup might happen this offseason. If this team doesn't make the playoffs or get gets bounced in the first round weekly again, it's, it's, it's something's going to give. Like, I... I don't know what to say about the Edmonton Oilers anymore. And, and Ken, I know you're going to take it in this direction right now with the media and the players and, and Connor McDavid. Like this is, this is a, 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 they are on the precipice of an absolute disaster in Edmonton. If they miss the playoffs, Evander Kane was deemed the solution for Christ's sake. Like this, they are on the precipice of an absolute disaster in Edmonton. And as a Flames fan, I love it. I hope that precipice happens. I'm surely to God, Connor McDavid isn't going to allow this to happen, but I don't know. This is not good in Edmonton land. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I live in Edmonton, so I hear it a lot. Um, you know, you brought up the media and everything. Mark Spector wrote a, an article where he kind of put in there that, Connor McDavid needs to, and you sent you sent me that there was a, a beef between the two of them, it seemed. And and I, I found the the tweet and I, I read the, the little piece that someone put in there that he wrote. Pretty much Spectre called him out for not being a 200 foot player and needing to be better defensively. Yeah, he can fly down the ice and provide tremendous offensive plays and score goals, but you need to be better defensively too. And he kind of compared him to Sidney Crosby and said, look at Crosby, look what he does. And, you know, and then they finished it up by saying Connor McDavid couldn't carry Sidney Crosby's uh, equipment bag. Well, okay, sure. I'll, I'll, yeah, he's right in the sense that McDavid needs to be a better 200 foot player. Sure. Crosby wasn't that in the beginning of his career either, though. He's done that as he's gotten older and a little slower. So there is a little bit of a difference slightly. Yeah, but, but Crosby had already won two cups by this yeah. point in his career. McDavid has won one round. Yeah. So there's a lot. I mean, I'm not saying that Spectre's wrong in any in any means, but he didn't quite get into the fact. I didn't see that part in the, the piece that I saw where he had said, you know, Crosby's earned the right to maybe slow it down a little bit because he's already he's he's a winner. He's won. McDavid hasn't, as you said. And at the at the press conference, the pregame media availability, right as the cameras were about to go off and they'd finished, uh, David goes, hey, Spec, can I talk to you for a second? And then cut to black and you know to be a fly on the wall in that room would have been just tremendous at the time because I don't think McDavid liked being called out and there were so many people in that thread defending Connor McDavid and saying he doesn't he doesn't have to he doesn't get any of the blame he's free from blame bullshit he's not he's the captain of that team he is the star of that team he gets just as much blame if not more in that role but i'm sorry connor mcdavid does not elevate the players around him he does not make the players around him better if they did jesse pulley would be a hundred point man hyman would have way more points than he does right now this goes back other years as well with whoever he has played with he and leon dreisaitl 
are the two main guys that drive the offense and get the points. The guys on the line don't get that bump. And I know you're going to probably roll your eyes with the Sedins. You look at what they did as a pair. Those two elevated the players on their line. They made Alexander Burroughs a 40 goal man the year he played with them. He, they took Anson Carter from a guy who was not really doing much in the league to a 30 goal man who, and who thought he deserved five mil a season and then got half of that in Columbus and disappeared again. I don't see that from Connor McDavid. And the fact that that team has to put him and Dreisaitl on the same line constantly to get anything done, if those two don't get points, they don't win. Very few wins come from a pointless McDavid and Dreisaitl. This team has problems, and those two deserve just as much blame, if not more, than the other players. But the players are a problem. You, you hit on it. McDavid's the captain. He leads by example. He needs to lead by example at five on five in all three zones. It's as clear as day. Uh, 120 point players should not be plus five on a season. They shouldn't be. It, it, that's just insane. You have to, if that team wants to get over the hub and, and to me, that team should be a cup contender. They absolutely should be even as constructed. They probably should be, but if you're not going to get, the buy-in in all three zones from your best players who are your leadership core, who lead by example, then I'm sorry, nothing's going to change. Nothing. Look at the difference. I'm just going to quickly jump to the Calgary Flames. You got Johnny Goudreau playing the best hockey of his career in all three zones and go figure the Calgary Flames are having a hell of a season. The Calgary Flames top line is plus 97. The Edmonton Oilers top line is plus 11. Like, you tell me which team's more committed to winning. It's until McDavid, Dreisaitl, do it in all three zones, nothing's going to change. Yeah. And, and the fact that they thought Evander Kane was a problem solver, that tells you how bad it is. Yes. Yeah. My, my last one, and it kind of goes to what well, something I saw on Twitter. Now, it has to deal with uh, women's basketball in the NCAA. Uh, Texas A&M head coach Sidney Carter was called out by a, let's see, some dude named Wayne Walker for how she was dressed for a game. And I'll read it here. Quote, Sidney Carter, women's basketball coach. Is her outfit appropriate as a basketball coach? Well, she's wearing clothes. So yes, she's wearing pink pants and a white sweater. Who cares? Who are you to call? Like, are you kidding me? You, where do you, do people get off thinking they get to question someone's appropriateness of their outfit? Is it appropriate for you to call her out and question her? No, her outfit's appropriate. Who cares? She's coaching basketball. She liked the outfit. Get over yourself, right? Is anyone questioning uh, Nick Nurse for wearing a polo shirt and track pants? <laughs> or is, is anyone calling out uh, Popovich for his somewhat unruly beard? No. Why? Because they're guys. So they, no one cares. But, Bill Belichick in his ratty sweaters and hoodies. Yes. Like, it, who's calling? That's, who is cares? that appropriate for a head coach? Like, seriously, find something better to do with your time. Get over yourself. Because are you kidding me? No one cares. She's doing her job. And that's all that matters. Exactly. The, the, the trolls on Twitter and 
you and I are very heavy Twitter users at the BleacherCon one, at the BleacherCon two. Shameless little plug there. You and I are heavy, heavy Twitter users, and we follow a lot of female sports fans. And the, the shit that they post that they have to deal with on a regular basis is right in line with this, where they get harassed for their opinions and what they wear and posting pictures. Like, if you got, if you don't have anything better to do, just shut up. Like, it doesn't. It, let these people just live their lives and who cares what somebody wears or what somebody posts or like there's the ability to just scroll past the tweet and not hit the reply button. Come on. Yeah. I can. Thank you for bringing this one up. Cause that is just, it's, it's like an epidemic in the world today. The social media trolls and oh, it's disgusting. You need to be better and bring value to Twitter. Yeah. Yes. Bring value to Twitter. And if you don't bring value, then block them, I guess. Well, moving on to the meat and potatoes of today's show, Ken. The biggest week in professional football. Well, maybe not. The Canadian Football League Free Agency. For those that are avid followers of the Canadian Football League, like Ken and I, this now appears to happen quite regularly. The CFL does a lot of one- and two-year deals. The best players in the league become free agents relatively often. It's exciting. Teams can be transformed from one year to the next, looking at the Ottawa Red Blacks. But it also makes it difficult to want to buy a player's jersey. I, it, know, I was just going to say. You don't know if they're going to be there in a couple of years. But becomes very expensive as a fan. As a fan, player movement is sexy. It is. It's fun. It, it, the, the analysis of it, it's fun. So, Ken, let's talk about some of the big moves that have happened this, this offseason and kind of our general outlook on w- how we see the league having unfolded. I'm going to go right off the bat. I'm going to say I think there's a, a transition of power from the, the West Division to the East Division. I very like it's been forever. The West is far superior to the East. I don't think it's like that anymore. I think there's a couple of good teams in the West and a lot of good teams in the East now. So, well, not only do we have player ahead. movement, we had a whole franchise move from Calgary to Toronto. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk oh, about that a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, the, the, the little Twitter battle going on between the Argos and Stampeders is good stuff. Good stuff. We're going to start on the West Coast in the West Division with your beloved BC Lions. Yes. Ken, give us a little rundown of some of the additions, departures, and and then I'll jump in and we're going to talk about the monkey in the room with the BC Lions. So first off, two big pieces of business happened. That was Lucky Whitehead getting signed for two years. Brian Burnham getting re-upped, giving the Lions that one, probably arguably the best one-two punch in the CFL at receiver. And I know you and I disagreed on uh, Twitter about that, but when you come down to it, Brian Burnham catches anything within a five-yard radius uh, to him. He just has amazing hands and can get to that ball and make that highlight reel catch 10 out of 10 times. You got Lucky Whitehead, who's just absolutely a speedster. If you give him that ball in in a straight line, he'll outrun the defenders. Great signings there. They brought in a kicker with experience, Sean White. Love it. That's good. He's a consistent kicker. They needed that. <laughs> Absolutely. That was probably their biggest <laughs> hole out of everything, and they filled it quickly with someone who can do the job. 
Lucius Purifoy is back, back with the team. Delvin Bro at DB took a couple of years off and he's going to come back. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see Delvin Bro in the back in at that position. David Menard is in on the defensive line. Matthew Betts, um, Javon Katoy re-upped with the Lions. He he that they were waiting to see what was going to happen if he was going to have some NFL looks. He's a big big wide receiver. I really like that. One of the big moves that happened. Michael Riley retired. So that's that I know that's where the that is a the big move there. And I know you were going to talk, you want to talk more about that. So we got Nathan Rourke, who's been dubbed the starter right now. Uh they signed uh Michael O'Connor, who is former UBC uh Thunderbird, another Canadian. They have dual, they have two Canadian quarterbacks at starter and backup. Hasn't been done in forever in the CFL. Who they lost, though, Adam Konar, linebacker, went to Edmonton. Hunter Stewart to Ottawa. Shaq Johnson, wide receiver, Ottawa. And J.R. Tavai, defensive lineman, went to Hamilton. The Lions brought a lot of pieces in. I like the additions that they made on defense and offense and who they kept. But I'm with you. The quarterback position is going to be a bit of a question because Nathan Rourke, is only a second-year player. He had some touches last year. Has some signs of looking good. But you're running with two kind of in a very inexperienced quarterbacks right now. So hopefully Nathan Rourke is the man. That what they see is what drove him to make that move. I'm excited, but also a little cautious because of that quarterback position. Here's my take on the BC Lions. Heading into the 2022 offseason, the BC Lions had one deep, dark hole, and that was the offensive line. They now have two deep, dark holes, the offensive line and the quarterback. I'm sorry, that is not a good uh, recipe for success. You do not have a good offensive line to protect your quarterback, and you don't have a quarterback. I get to flat out say it, the BC Lions are going to be horrible this season. I will say it. I believe it. Nathan Rourke hasn't had to be the guy Nathan Rourke looked good in mop-up time in backup duties in you know when when other teams are playing off he looked good he could throw the ball Nathan Rourke hasn't had to be the guy when it really matters in a game and when he's under siege because that offensive line can't stop anyone I just don't think this is a good recipe for success I am dumbfounded that the Lions did not at least try to bring in and maybe they did they did not successfully bring in one of the many quarterbacks that were available this offseason. I know you roll your eyes at Trevor Harris, but surely to God, at least having him as a backup option to mentor is better than nothing. Or they like Jeremiah Mazzoli, they could have just, had they brought him in, they could have just completely put to bed the notion of not having a quarterback. This team's going to struggle. And I, I like Nathan Rourke. I actually hope he proves me wrong. I'd love to have a Canadian quarterback be a prominent fixture in this league. I would love that. I just, I don't see it happening. I, there, there could be struggles. They brought in Isaac Harker, who was a quarterback with Saskatchewan as well. But again, he's the short yardage guy. Yeah, like, like very inexperienced. You're going to have guys. And I, I'm not saying he's a fix, but you could bring in a Chris Strebler if he doesn't catch on in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's a guy who can't throw. Like, yeah. It's but, this is a passing league. And if you don't have a guy who can pass, you're in trouble. 
And I'll give the Lions credit. They, they have bolstered their defense. They're going to have to win a lot of games 15 to 9. And yeah. that's hard to do in the CFL. Like, this isn't going to be a high-octane offense. And Lucky Whitehead and, and Brian Burnham are absolute studs. But if they don't have somebody who can get them the ball, then I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I think work, I think work has a good arm and he can get them the ball. It's that protection you talk about and there's still time to, be, to fill that out a little bit. Um, but I think too, when I mean, you talk about quarterbacks, I mean, you're going back to someone who hasn't really played in a bit, but Matt Nichols could be a guy you bring in to mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, like there's, there's some options out there, but th- those QBs went pretty quick and for quite a bit of money as well. So I think they were trying to look at filling other holes with that freed up Michael Riley money. But yeah, defensively, I think they're going to be, and TJ Lee's back. Yeah, about friend him. of the show, TJ yeah, Lee. He's back with the team. So it's not a BC Lions defense without uh, TJ Lee back there. So <laughs> no, I, it's going to be a, a lots to prove in BC. That's, but it's exciting. It's exciting to have Canadian content at the QB position. Absolutely. And as much as I hate the Lions, I kind of hope it works out just because it is a good story. Yeah. Let's move east to province and let's actually start with the Edmonton Elks. This is a team that was in tatters in 2021. They pretty much got rid of everybody, everybody from that organization, almost top down GM head coach replaced with, you know, they got Chris Jones in there and whether that provides stability or not, we shall see. I don't know. He says he's there for the long haul, but I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. They've got a couple of massive, massive departures on this team. Greg Ellingson, probably their last year he struggled, probably their best receiver still, in my opinion. Kwaku Boateng on the D-line, absolute force, has gone to Ottawa. And Derek Moncrief went back to Saskatchewan from the linebacker core. And Trumaine Washington in the DB. Like, those are significant deletions from this team. They brought in Ed Ganey. That should more or less offset the, the Trumaine Washington move. Ed Ganey's a, a good player. Kenny Lawler, good, good player. Yeah, my only question is he's only done it for like one or two years. Is he actually that good or is he just the benefit of playing on a really good Winnipeg offense that maybe he didn't face a double team? I'm Still a little uh, unsure about what Kenny Lawler is, but he's he's a playmaker. They re-signed Dar- uh, Darrell Walker. He's back. Can Darrell Walker return to form and be the you know thousand to fifteen hundred yard receiver that he was? Uh, Dion Lacy, that's a solid move in the linebacker core. To me, though, this team only goes as far as Nick Arbuckle, and we're not even convinced that Nick Arbuckle is the guy. He can be third on that list. It it appears to me that Chris Jones isn't sold on Nick Arbuckle. Nick Arbuckle's making starters money in the quarter and the Canadian for the the Elks and the Canadian Football League. But I don't know that he has that vote of confidence of the head coach. So could be tumultuous in Edmonton. I know I saw some predictions where they had them as a nine and nine team, 500. I don't see it. Uh, I see them as a six or seven win team. I think they'll be better than last year, but that's not going to be hard. That's not hard. Yeah, that's not, not hard. hard. They're, uh, I got them just ahead of the BC Lions. I think the Lions are going to finish last in the West this year. I think Edmonton will push them for that. 
but they are back in the right direction, I'm going to say. But I still like they're uh, a year or two removed from becoming a, a contender in the West again. Well, you got to remember, they, they also signed Darius Bowman, who's been out of Oh, yeah, and Manny Arsenault. And Manny Arsenault. To me, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of Manny Arsenault. He was a great BC Lion, very exciting player to watch. He played some arena ball last year, but he, he's been out of the league for a bit. But to me, those were the first, the beginning of their signings. And it was like, you kind of turn it back the clock here. So That's looking good for the 2014 Great Cup. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of with what your thoughts on the Lions quarterback situation. I'm there with Edmonton in that. Me too. Would, Chris Jones seems to not want Arbuckle there. So maybe Arbuckle's a trade target for the Lions at some point, right? And you bring Arbuckle into BC, but those two quarterbacks that were there who took over for Harris didn't really light anything up or show any kind of spark of being a guy that could step into that role. So I'm with you. I think they're going to struggle just as much with who they brought in and who they lost. It, it, they don't have that same, like the stability at quarterback. You don't have the stability at quarterback. You're going to struggle. So. Yeah. I, I think we're in agreement. This is an Edmonton Elks team that appears to be turning the corner, but I don't think they're there. They're, there's still too many question marks and Chris Jones doesn't have his fingerprints entirely all over this team yet. And whether that's a good thing or not long-term, I don't know. I'm not a, a huge Chris Jones supporter. No, neither am I. So I don't know if he's actually the answer, but I got to believe the Elks are going to be better than last year. So. Well, depending on how their situation goes, they may have to bring uh, AGM G Roy Simon out of retirement to help him out on <laughs> offense. So Moving three hours south from the Edmonton Elks is uh, your Calgary Stampeders, whose departure list is much larger than your additions list. So I'll let you take it away with your team. Well, the Calgary Stampeders did lose some significant pieces. Most of them to the Toronto Argonauts over the last two seasons. It's, it's kind of been a mass exodus from Calgary to Toronto. But I guess if the Toronto Argonauts want to get back to relevancy, why not go after ex-Calgary Stampeders? <clears throat> the biggest losses, in my opinion, for the Calgary Stampeders, Darnell Sankey to the, and going to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That, that was the, the league leader in tackles, solid linebacker, just kind of Mr. Everything on that defense. He, that's a huge loss. Yukonbri Williams on the O-line kind of became expendable. We, we, we've got a, a solid old line. Yukonbri Williams was a good player. I, I'm not saying that, but he was going to be six or seven on the depth chart. While you you can't have seven deep on the old line depth chart with high profile players. Replaced by a friend of the money. show, Derek Dennis. Derek, yeah, Derek Dennis, our friend of the show, came in, made uh, Williams expendable. Hergie Mayala never really put it together. He's gone to Montreal. You lose that Canadian content there kind of a bit of a ratio breaker. He just can never put it together. Justin Lawrence, that's a big loss. That's a really big loss to the, again, the Argos. Deshaun Amos, also to the Argos. Big loss, kind of. We brought in Trey Roberson. We brought him back. That made Deshaun Amos expendable. I'd rather have Trey Roberson anyways, and that's not a knock on Amos. There just wasn't uh, playing time for him. Same with Richard Leonard. Like The two of them were kind of made expendable by – Trey Roberson coming back. Markeith Ambles also went to Toronto. Uh, the guy's got all the talent in the world. 
suffers from a severe case of the dropsies. If he can ever figure that out, then they've got a, they got a good player. Additions. Well, let's be straight up. The Calgary Stampeders main additions additions to this team actually happened at the end of 2021, not in the CFL free agency in 2022 with Reggie Bagleton and Trey Roberson. That's pretty much our additions to this, this team. And Cameron Judge coming in via trade um, with Royce Mechie also going to Toronto. Go figure. Common theme here. Those are those are our additions. When you put it all together, the Stampeders are the same team as last year. They've got a solid defense. They've got lots of veteran leadership. Sure, they've lost some guys. They've still got 90% of the team from last year returning this year. The Stampeders should be in the 10 to 12 win mark range, somewhere in there. The question is, can Bo Levi Mitchell return to form? Or does Jake Mayer take over this team this year? That is the million-dollar question in Calgary. The additions and departures, I think, are almost irrelevant. (laughs) The storyline is a quarterback in Calgary. Very similar to Edmonton and BC. What Bo Levi Mitchell do we get? And if we don't get good, Bo, what is Jake Mayer? That is the synopsis of the Calgary Stampeders. One more important piece, the place kicker, Rennie Paredes, staying on. It was expected. I know he missed the the field goal in in the West semifinal, but that guy bleeds, Calgary Stampeders. I was so excited he's back for probably one more final year so the the fans can give him his appropriate send-off. Love it. Love that he's back. But this team's only as good as Bo Levi Mitchell. I thought you were going to say the big one was uh, keeping quick six from going to Toronto, but it, <laughs> they tried. Uh, I think we're moving on to Saskatchewan just quickly because they didn't really bring a lot. I mean, other than Darnell Sankey and Derek Moncrief, not a lot of additions to that team. But there's some big subtractions from the Saskatchewan Rough Especially Riders. Especially on the Ed, defensive side. Yeah. Ed Ganey, Lucius Purifoy, William Powell at running back, um, Dion Lacey at linebacker, Micah Johnson. A lot of their big name defenders and some of their offensive guys in William Powell are gone. So, and not replaced. They, no, not really. I mean, you look at, like, say, Sankey Moncrief, they're in, Josiah St. John, Wesley Lewis, and Justin Herman Reed, Reed uh, re upped. There's some change there. Uh, we'll see if they are able to put it together or if they're going to take a step back. As you said, the West is not as strong as it used to be. Now they're moving on to our last of the Western teams in Winnipeg. You and I both dubbed them as uh gray cup favorites in our 2022 prediction show. I think, I know I said, and I think you were a little bit with me there that, how would this team lose any players? They're so good. They'd win. Why leave when you can win? Well, they lost players. They lost big-name players. Kenny Lawler, Andrew Harris, Stephen Richardson, Darvin Adams, Alden Darby, and they brought in Greg Allenson, Taiwan Glass, and Brandon Alexander. This team lost big names that helped them win back-to-back Grey Cups. I don't know that they're going to be as good. I like you look at you. Sure. You bring in Ellingson. So is he a replacement for Adams or Lawler? Cause that's almost a wash for one of them, but who have you brought in to replace the other one? 
right? You're still who, yeah, you got Augustine at, at running back, but that's not Andrew Harris. Andrew Harris is getting a little bit older and injuries and such, but he's still Andrew Harris. He's still a workhorse. I don't, I, I'm now a little worried about the Winnipeg Blue Marvers prediction that I had at this point in time. I'm not. Andrew Harris didn't play for a large portion of last year. You had Brady Olivieri and Johnny Augustine carrying the load, I guess is the best way to put it. They were the best offense in the league. Now they did take a hit at the receivers position. There's no doubt about it. You lost long time and locker room guy, Darvin Adams. Like that guy was kind of the glue of the receiving core. And you lost your number one receiver in, in um, Lawler. But if Greg Ellingson returns to Greg Ellingson of 2018, 2019, well, you just brought in a better receiver than either of those guys anyways. We're using the Sean Monahan argument with Greg Ellingson. I Greg Ellingson didn't play on a good team in the last two years in Edmonton. When Greg Ellingson was with Trevor Harris, he was one of the best receivers in the league. There's a reason the Edmonton Elks went and brought those two into Edmonton together. Ellingson is a possession receiver. He's he's fast. He like to me, he's better than Lawler and Adams if he's healthy, if he can return to form. And that is a big if. To me, that if that happens, the bombers are fine. And the Bombers' defense, like, is so good. So they may not score quite as many points. They may have less uh, 40 to 25 wins, and they might have a few more 30 to 20 wins. Like, I see nothing wrong with the Bombers. To me, they're still the favorites. They're still the best team, especially in the West. But they're not as good. And I don't do know if I it's think, as much of a lock anymore. Yeah, I don't think it's as much of a lock. Do I think the Rioters or the Stampeders could maybe give them a run for their money? Yes, I do. But not, not, I still think the Bombers are the best. Well, let's move East, Ken. Let's move to the East, CFL's East Division, where we have had a power shift, not only from West to East, but also within that division. And what do I mean? Well, I'm looking at the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The Hamilton Tiger Cats have lost some very, very big names. They brought in big names as well, starting at the QB position. And I guess that controversy has gone, but they did lose Jeremiah Mazzoli and they lost him to Ottawa. Like that, that's, that's significant. There's a common theme of who they lost and to where. Exactly. That's significant. They lost, in my opinion, the best D lineman in the league, Jaguar Davis, ex-Calgary Stampeder, and they lost him to Toronto, like your, your chief rival. You lost to Toronto. They lost two of their best receivers, Jalen Acklin, to Ottawa. They lost Speedy B, Brandon Banks, to Toronto. There is such a power shift here of, their, of good Tiger Cat players to Argos and Red Blacks. Out of the seven listed, Five went to Ottawa and two went to Toronto. Like now, they must love the Ontario tax market or whatever. Yeah. Now they've also had some significant additions. In my opinion, maybe the second best defensive lineman in the league, Micah Johnson, pretty good guy to replace Jagarra Davis with. Richard Leonard is a a pros pro and as a DB, played very well in Calgary last year. Alden Darby, again, that's another significant addition. 
from the uh, two-time defending cup champion bombers. So I don't think the Ticats are as good as they were a year ago because they are a Dane Evans injury away from disaster, but most teams are. So that, that's not totally fair. I don't think they're as good as they were last year, but I still think they're up there. Like I, any of the four teams, in my opinion, in the East can contend. I I, I will agree to that with a, a little asterisk with Ottawa, because that's a brand new team like that. When we get to that list, that list is insane for how big it is. But to me, they're an asterisk because they have to, that's that they brought a, a, almost a whole new team in that has to, and they need to gel. They camp. need to yeah. gel. That's my lead. They may take them a little bit to do that, but Montreal next team on our list, you know, for additions, they brought in, they mentioned Hergie Mayala, um, Trevor Harris at backup. Vincent Desjardins at defensive line. Not a lot of ins on that. They they lost David Menard to BC, DJ Lalama to Calgary, Patrick Levels to Ottawa, um, BJ That's Cunningham. Significant. That's yeah. significant. They lost, they lost two significant players to Ottawa as well. Yeah. BJ Cunningham is uh, top, one of the, you know, you put him in the top 10 receivers in the league. And they, he's now on a guy that's not that far away from you. And uh, I still think the Owls are going to be a good team, but they lost some pieces. I don't like Hergie Mayala for BJ Cunningham. is not a trade. That's, I would not, do a, that's a not a win. Right? <laughs> that's like, not a win. You're not replacing at the same level. Uh, you know, they Schultz. Schultz is gone as well. Yeah. Right. Like they, he went to Hamilton, is, didn't he? Or I think so. Yeah but they cut him to bring in Trevor Harris and Trevor Harris in his audition for the Alouettes last year was not good at all. And for a team that should have been in the gray cup in Montreal, I would think should have been there with fighting for Hamilton in that East final, they were out real quick. Yeah. So I was a little surprised with that. Cause he got like 150 grand for this season as well. So that's a lot that's, for a backup. That's a lot for a backup in the Canadian football league. Vernon Adams is a very capable quarterback. You just got to hope he stays healthy and you don't have to go to Trevor Harris too much. I'm going to jump in right there. Vernon Adams is the Montreal Alouettes. That it, it, it's no, there's no question. Vernon Adams is dynamic. Vernon Adams is potentially the, the future of the Canadian football league. If he can put the consistency together and stay on the field, the guy looks electric in nine weeks and then looks average for six weeks. It's if this guy could ever put it together and he did in the 2019 season, he had a tremendous campaign or 2018, sorry, had a tremendous campaign and it's kind of leveled off since. So the Montreal Alouettes will only go as far as Vernon Adams can take them. And, and he lost one of his best receivers in BJ Cunningham. I don't I, if I had to handicap it, I'm going to think the Owls are somewhere between third and fourth in this division, but they could finish first if, if Adams can pull, pull it together. What, what's your read on it? Yeah, I, I agree that the East, outside of Ottawa, Ottawa's a question mark, as I said, any of those teams can finish first to third or fourth in that range. It's, tough. it's going to be very tough to try and handicap and pick a, put a prediction together of who's going to finish where because – they all got better. They all almost, I don't want to say they're all on an even playing field, but it's the, the, the grade that they were on is a lot less. It used to fall. Like you would fall off from the top two real quick, right? Yeah. In the past, 
and he went from the top two to the top three, which was Hamilton, Montreal, Toronto, and then Ottawa at the bottom now, but it's kind of leveled out a little bit here. So it's going to be tough. I, it should be a lot of exciting football to watch though. Well, let's move on to the final two teams. And these have been the two most active teams uh, by a mile uh, in bringing in players. uh, We've been talking about them. I like what they've done. The Ottawa Red Blacks, again, it's not hard to be better than they were the last two seasons. They solidified the QB position with Jeremiah Mazzoli. They solidified the running back position by bringing back fan favorite William Powell. They solidified the D-line with Kwaku Bote. They solidified the O-line with Ucombri Williams and Hunter Stewart and, and Darius Siraco. They solidified receivers with Darvin Adams, Shaq Johnson, Jalen Acklin, B.J. Cunningham, the DBs, Patrick Levels, Tremaine Washington. Like, this team has filled Antoine Bruno. I'm not like – that's right at the end of the list. They they re-signed him. They didn't lose him. He was one of the like faces of that team. They have filled lots of holes, lots and lots and lots and lots of holes. And they didn't lose that many players. Not that they had that many good players to lose in the first no. place. Daniel Peterman, I guess, might be a significant loss to this team, but like maybe I mean he went to BC but Alex like for all, Alex Fontana all. I guess you, you lost a, a pretty good alignment to, to your tribal in Hamilton but I just look at this list of acquisitions of the Red Blacks and they have transformed themselves overnight they'll go as far as Jeremiah Mazzoli can play consistently and that's when where you the get, question marks comes. exactly when you get good Jeremiah the guy's a stud, but when you get inconsistent, Jeremiah, oh, it's not good. Yeah, and they they're they're backup. They still have Davis there. Is he right? Like Dominic Davis. We'll see. They, again, Jeremiah, they're gonna go as far as he takes them. I'm just gonna say it right now, though, for what their new GM did, executive of the year goes to the Ottawa Red Blacks GM. Right now, the season hasn't even been played, but this is the man that came Has into to. the job, saw what was needed, and did it. So good on you. Way to get it done. This team should be a hell of a lot better. Hopefully compete for a spot. Now on to the Toronto Stampeders. Uh, Oh, sorry. Sorry. No. Um, Argonauts. It's the Argos, not Stampeders. A little confusing. Um, They brought in Ja'Garrett Davis, Andrew Harris, Justin Loris, Sean Amos, Markeith Ambles, Brandon Banks. They keep adding to this team where they're getting this money from. I yeah, don't know this is because they only lost. So their departure is one player, Levi Noel to Ottawa. This team keeps spending money and money and money. And I, there's a cap, isn't there? I like, thought there was. There's supposed to be a salary cap so that you can't just, you know, but hey, apparently maybe, maybe uh, the ownership there is decided that they're going to, they're going to spend a little bit, but yeah, it's a little odd. They keep spending money. They don't really lose much money out of that. They brought uh, John Breskison re-signed there as well. Yeah. Um, they lost Charleston Hughes, but that was, you know, Charleston Hughes on the back nine of his career. So, it, like, that's not that significant. You replaced him with Jagarrett Davis. I Like, that, to me, that that's just, that's a good move. <laughs> I, yeah. This team, is Andrew Harris the Andrew Harris of 2017, 2018? No. But if he can stay healthy, the guy's still a force. Oh, the yeah. guy is, is – he's a ratio breaker too because he's Canadian. 
you get to have a potentially a premier position that is routinely filled by an, an international player coming out of the U.S. You get to fill that slot with a Canadian. That's so significant when you can have ratio breakers at premier positions because then you get to add an, an international or an American at a different position than you might otherwise. So to me, Andrew Harris has always been critical to any team strictly because he's Canadian. He may not give you a thousand yards on the ground and almost a thousand in the air, but he gives you a 900 on the ground and 600 in the air. Exactly. You're still coming out ahead. Exactly. Jagera Davis to me is the signing of the off season. The guy is just an absolute force. And if there was, you know, the Toronto defensive line wasn't known for getting a ton of pressure. They're going to be known. This is such a significant move for this team. And they solidified, they just solidified their defense in general with like Deshaun Amos. And do we see Speedy B returning kicks again? in Toronto because he's a game breaker like you added game breakers all over the field on this team and you just maybe took some of the pressure off McLeod Bethel Thompson because McLeod Bethel Thompson is very Jekyll and Hyde as well Mm. he could throw for 450 yards and four touchdowns or he could throw for 150 yards and five picks did you take some of the pressure off of McLeod Bethel Thompson and I think they did I I really do I like what the Toronto Argonauts have done. And I think they are a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. I think they're going to be a tough team this year and the East is going to be entertaining. I, I, I hate it to is. say it, but it should be a lot better. The West was always the team that or the side that had the more of the talent and better games, but hell could we see a crossover from the East to the West this year? Maybe, maybe I, I got to kind of put you on the spot here, Ken. Biggest winners and biggest winner and biggest loser in CFL free agency. Biggest winner right now, just for kind of doing, in my opinion, for doing what they had to do is Ottawa. They, they kind of, they did it. They brought it, they brought it around 180 from where they were. And I think biggest losers to me, it's Saskatchewan. They really didn't do much other than lose players. And a close second just for being such a dominant team. And I mean, Winnipeg's still going to be a good team, but they lost some key pieces to that championship team they had in the last two years. Yeah. I wonder what it's going to do to them. Yeah. To me, Your call? The, the biggest winners have got to be Toronto and Ottawa. That's what that's, we saved them for last for a reason. And again, I said it right off the start. I think the biggest loser is going to be the biggest is the BC Lions because they didn't, fill the most important position in Canadian football at the quarterback. And they didn't protect that quarterback on the offensive line. So I, I don't like what the Lions have done, even though re-upping Whitehead and Burnham, love it. Those two are, love those guys. The wrong team, love those guys. <laughs> the right team for me. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. CFL free agency is always fun. Don't forget to check us out every Monday on Burns Radio, noon noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Also make sure to check out Belly Up TV on Tiki Live. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you in a week. Thanks, everyone.